Well, it's Groundhog Day again. Chelsea and Liverpool met at Wembley in the League Cup final and played out a goalless draw before there was a thrilling penalty shootout. On Saturday, they'll play at Wembley again, but this time in an FA Cup final. Will it be equally tight or will there be a different outcome? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Well, I don't mind it being Groundhog Day if it means I keep getting a top-tipping team and delighted to say that betting and football obsessive Mark O'Hare is with me once again. Mark, Liverpool, the 2.1 favourites here over 90 minutes, but... These two do tend to have games that are very tight. They've drawn in the league. They've drawn in 90 minutes in the League Cup final. So how do you see this going? Uh, probably quite similar, in fairness. And um, yeah, we had a bit of a dress rehearsal 10 weeks ago with the League Cup final. So same teams, same environment, same sort of occasion as well. And as you say, we required Kepa to balloon his kick into into orbit, really, to, to settle matters. And... Um, the Premier League meetings were, were very different in terms of how they played out, but also you know, the end result was the same. I think Chelsea were the better team at Anfield uh, before the red card back in probably August, September time it was now. And then Liverpool were much the better team at Stamford Bridge, I felt, and, and Chelsea kind of clawed their way back in and managed to get a point out of that game. And I think Thomas Tuchel does have a very good record against Jurgen Klopp as, as Chelsea head coach. I think it's four games now he's he's been unbeaten in head-to-head matches. So that's something to bear in mind. But I think the fact that these two teams did meet so recently in at the same venue is quite interesting, really, because we get similar sort of prices. Well, Liverpool were around 2.4 in the League Cup final. They're now, as you say, bigger than 2.1, but that's a, a reasonable difference. And Chelsea were 3.4 back then. Uh, they're now sort of around 3.75, 3.8. So reasonable changes there. And I think you know, you could probably look at those prices and, and the difference and say, well, well, what's changed? And I personally think, going back to when we spoke about the League Cup final, that the prices were a little bit too generous in Chelsea's favour going into that game. And perhaps there's a bit of correction going on there. And, and Liverpool are now rated, you know, quite high, clearly, as they're going for the quadruple. But um, obviously a lot has changed as well in terms of the, the off-field issues afflicting Chelsea. The takeover talk has been an unwelcome distraction, as Tuchel has said himself. And, you know, when you've got players like Antonio Rudiger kind of uh, negotiating their departures, doesn't help. Um but I do believe that when the time and occasion is right, this Chelsea team are well capable of a big performance. They proved it in the League Cup final. They proved it away at Real Madrid in the Champions League. And I think they do deserve a degree of respect. Um, and um, I think in recent weeks as well, we've seen Liverpool look slightly more vulnerable, uh, possibly a little bit fatigued as well in matches uh, against Villa, Villarreal, Spurs, Everton. They all put them under pressure, all had their opportunities as well. So fascinating, really. Um I think the fact that Chelsea played Wednesday night isn't ideal and, and also the fact that Kovacic has picked up an injury too, whether he'll be available. Uh, if he's not, that's a big blow. Uh, N'Golo Kante was, was rested and, and should come back. You know, he's an injury doubt as well. But um, I still do give Liverpool the edge. But do I want to back them at 2.1 in 90 minutes? Probably not, to be honest. I think you have to respect the draw. You have to respect Chelsea in this environment too. So I found it quite a difficult game to actually unpack and find an angle I really want to hang my hat on. But if there is one, it would probably be back 
to back Liverpool, which I did in the League Cup final, minus a quarter on the Asian handicap. Um, it just means if the game does end in a draw after 90 minutes, we only lose half of our stake. Um, I think we talked about it last week, really, that Chelsea started the season by most people's assumption as being the, the second best team in the league behind Man City. Should have been kind of giving them a bit of a, a challenge. But I think since September, Liverpool have been not just a cut above, but probably two levels above Chelsea in what they've achieved. And I think the ability of that front three and also the players off the bench does give them the edge for this in this match for me. And I think the way in which Chelsea have defended recently, and I know they're capable of better, um, would worry me, even if Liverpool have showed a few cracks themselves. But yeah, Liverpool are still a better team. Um, I would want them on side, but just respect the draw. The dashing don of data, Jake Oskarthorpe from InfoGoal is with us once again. Jake, Liverpool, according to the underlying data, as you've said all the way through, significantly better than Chelsea, as Mark has said. Yeah, that's been the case all season, really. Um, and we, we've seen them kick on after, like Mark said, around September time where Chelsea were seen by the market as the marginally better team. And, and that's completely flip-flopped. I think Chelsea had a little bit of a wobble, didn't they, around the Christmas period, really struggled for results and, and their process did dip a little bit. And Liverpool have just sort of churned away. And um, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game. But I, I did... I was slightly surprised to see the go the goal line um, as high as it is. I, I think under two and a half goals are a real runner in this. I know usually when you get big finals, they are they do tend to be quite low scoring, and that's especially the case when um, Chelsea are involved. I mean, I know it's not a final, but in the games against the big six in the Premier League this season, seven of their ten uh, have gone under two and a half goals, which just tell me that Tuchel is a bit more cautious when playing against the better teams, and I think he's got every right to do something similar this week. Um, as they did in the Carabao Cup final, which was, um, you know, try and just, just nullify what Liverpool do best, which is, um, you know, fast transitional attacking. And, and you know, I think that the only sort of um, the joker in the pack, if you like, is Thiago, because Thiago hasn't played in any of the Chelsea-Liverpool head-to-heads um, since he arrived at Liverpool. So that's potentially something that might give Liverpool a bit more of an edge, is the sense that he'll be able to make sure that Liverpool can pack into the Chelsea half and stay there because something that they had struggled with in the Carabao Cup final was the ball was going, it was almost like ding-dong at times, whereas with Thiago in there, should be able to control the possession a little bit more, provide some more incisive passes through the lines and, and hopefully unlock Chelsea. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we can expect a cagey affair. And I just wanted to point out the fact that Liverpool, while they have been absolutely rampant in attack all season long, there has been a slight dip in the last six um in terms of creating chances, uh, they've only managed, I mean, it's still a fantastic process. So at 1.74 expected goals for per game, the last six Premier League games, and the six prior, that was at 2.77. Now, I just wonder if maybe the fact that they've had such, you know, a heavy game load uh, in terms of Champions League matches in the, that last six, and they played four Champions League games in between those last six Premier League matches has had an impact on their um, attacking process and whether that is just a case of a tiredness creeping in. Um, but it is just worth bearing in mind that they, they, they aren't attacking at the same rate or they aren't creating chances at the same rate as they were when they were absolutely flying uh, just after the Christmas period. So um, something to bear in mind, um, fully expecting a tight game. And I think, as we've said, the four of the last five meetings between these sides have gone under two and a half. I think it's three of four between Tuchel and Klopp. Um, so I'm more than happy to back that. It's around 1.95 on the exchange. You might be able to get even money. Um, still a bit short on liquidity. You might be able to get matched even money for that. Odds compiler Mark Stinchcomb, the Franz Beckenbauer of the Maltese Amateur Leagues, is here with us once again. Uh, Stinch, what's your take on this one? Uh, thank you, Kev. Um, I haven't really got 
much to add to what the, the guys have said. I think one thing is worth noting is prices are fairly similar to when they met in the cup final, except for Liverpool are slightly a bit shorter, probably understandable given sort of Chelsea's volatility over the last couple of months. Um, but yeah, I think I've said before, uh, I think it's hard to maybe find uh, an area of uh, an edge basically in the match odds when you consider that, you know, these two teams are on show week in week out on the tv the you know the asian markets are thorough, you know they thorough, they've got all the they've run all the numbers um it'd have to be something um massive you know like maybe i don't know salas out or uh, i don't know Kepa's gonna play on, out on pitch or something for the for the odds to be like completely or wrong, in goal <laughs> indeed um I don't think it was his in-goal performance that obviously cost cost them the. Uh, or the, I no, guess true. he didn't save a single penalty, but yeah, his his uh, his ability not to take one. But um, yeah, so I I don't think there's nothing that massively stands out for me. I thought it was quite interesting though that I I had a look, just mentioned there about injuries. I had a look at some of the key players for both teams. So obviously Kovacic might be out of the final after that uh, bad challenge by Dan James on Wednesday evening. Chelsea have only won one of the six games that Kovacic hasn't started since the beginning of April, suffering four defeats. Yet in the five games he has started, they won four and drew one. So he does look as though he is a key figure in, in that midfield. And Liverpool are going to be without Fabinho, most likely. And he's missed, nine. I say missed, he hasn't started 19 games this season. But Liverpool are unbeaten in all 19 of 115 and drawn four. And that includes winning at both Atletico and Man United and holding Man City to a draw. So Sell Fabinho immediately. You don't <laughs> need him. Don't need him. No, 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 no way, no way. I'm a huge Fabinho <laughs> fan. Um, but I think that just goes to show there that maybe that might be that the midfield battle could actually be where the game is won and lost here. Um, I th the, the bet I was sort of looking at, and there aren't any markets at the time of uh, recording, but obviously there will be in the coming days. And I think the lines will be fairly similar to, to other places. Um, I was actually looking, I thought it was really interesting in the, um, in the League Cup final that Liverpool had 11 corners in 90 minutes and Chelsea had just one. And Liverpool, I think, as most people know, when you watch them, obviously uh, relentless going forward and obviously get the ball wide quite a lot and obviously have a lot of shots. And in that self, it generates a lot, lots of corners. So it's logical to suggest that that's normal. Um, and I think the line's quite low when you look at Liverpool against this Chelsea team over, I looked at the last nine meetings, which is, which is kind of how I feel when Liverpool have moved away from the, the heavy metal to a more machine-like um, team. And Liverpool averaging 8.3 corners in, in those nine meetings and have hit double figures on four occasions. Um, and the line, I think you're probably going to be able to get about 8 to 11 on over 5.5 Liverpool corners. So I think that one's a, a really good bet. And you could obviously attack the higher lines if you want as well. Um, Chelsea on the flip side in that cup final, they only got one corner. And I think that's probably got a lot to do with Liverpool's um, offside trap. Um, except obviously if the, the apparently if the your goalkeeper saves the shot and the offside flag isn't allowed to go up for some reason. Um, <laughs> Little nods to what happened to Villa Park in midweek. Yeah, and, the, and I looked at the five meetings away from Stamford Bridge over the last few years and Chelsea have had just 
one, three, two, zero, and two corners. So you could even take the bet one step further and maybe combine uh, and make a bet builder of like Liverpool over 5.5 corners and Chelsea over under 3.5 corners. And then you might get something like three to one. So that might be something else to kind of cheer on. And I think the beauty of it is that... um, Obviously, we're looking over a large span of, of games and a large span of game states. And, you know, there's still those trends are still sort of holding quite strong. So, yeah, I think if you're looking for an alternate bet, I think back in Liverpool on the corners is, is a good way to go. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and gold markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. EFL playoffs well underway. Mark, you want to take a look at the heavyweight clash between Sheffield United and Nottingham Forest. And I'm not even taking the mick there. They are two very good sides. And in the case of Nottingham Forest, an enormous club that could come back into the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, these two are the two who probably have got realistic aspirations of not just getting promoted, but actually staying in the top flight compared to, say, Luton versus Huddersfield in, in the other semi-final. Um, you know, everyone loves the playoffs. Obviously, it's a wonderful time of the year. And I think um, we've got two clubs here who've, who've kind of transformed their fortunes under their current coaches, Paul Heckenbottom turned the tide at Sheffield United and Steve Cooper did a, an outstanding job at Forest and starting with the Blades uh, they've been particularly impressive at Bramall Lane this season and under Heckenbottom 14 league games he's won 10 of those and lost just once they had a bit of an inconsistent spell but finished with three wins from three uh, I know they thrashed Fulham but Fulham are clearly hung over after celebrating their title so I'd, I wouldn't read too much into that but even still they're, they're a decent team they are missing a number of their sort of key forwards coming into this match so they're without a, a sort of record recognised out-and-out striker but defensively they've been very strong at home got the best home defence in the division so you know something to, to bear in mind there and you look at Forest uh, bottom when Cooper took charge in September they earned the most points in the championship following his appointment which is an incredible achievement really and only lost six of their 38 league games under him uh, they managed to, to rest and rotate seven or eight players in the final league game so they'll be well prepared for this um, away from home, uh, they have lost four games under Cooper, but you know it's a, a very low tally for the championship, really. And uh, they have got the best away defence too. But they also have key absentees in attack. Um, uh, Graben and Keenan Davis are missing, so uh, Sam Surridge is kind of doing a, a lone furrow up there alongside Brennan Johnson. Uh, you know, still got quality there, but uh, clearly missing their their main men. Um, so both teams short in attack, but very strong defensively. Something to bear in mind particularly the fact that we're talking about a playoff semi-final first leg. The regular season meetings ended 1-1. Forrest required two late equalisers and both. Both were tight affairs and and tight tends to be the word in terms of the playoffs, particularly the first legs. Um, I looked at all divisions going back to 2000 and the first leg averages 2.08 goals. 40% of those 136 matches went under one and a half goals. 68% produced a maximum of two goals. So you can clearly see why the market is favouring unders here. Um, Interestingly, both of last season's first leg semi-finals in the championship ended 1-0. So again, a tip to hat, tip towards the kind of unders or negative goal trends. Um, So yeah, I think uh, there's two angles I want to play in this match. I think the first would be the sort of nap, if you like, which would be both teams to score no, which is trading at 1.82 on the exchange, um, I think that's got great legs considering uh, the overwhelming kind of low goal trends in these kind of fixtures, plus the two teams being very strong defensively and missing key forwards. Uh, but also for a bit of a bigger price, um, 
Uh, obviously, with goal, low goal expectation, uh, the draw comes into play, and obviously it's going to be a little bit shorter than it would be in an ordinary match. Um, if you look at a regular season campaign, draws tend to be around a sort of twenty-five percent hit rate, but in playoff semi-final first legs, it increases to thirty-five percent. You can actually back the draw and under two and a half goals at so three point seven, uh, which does appeal. You're basically backing the nil-nil and the one-one. Um, and I think basically the odds on that are, are too big compared to the probability. Um, so basically the, the odds are saying there's around about 27% chance this match ends in a nil-nil or a 1-1. Whereas, as I said, a regular season league game would you know, around about 25%. But that increases to about 35% in first leg playoff semi-finals. So there's a clear difference there. Obviously, we're not getting the 2-2 or the 3-3. But I'd be very surprised if this match features four goals or more. So, yeah, the nap would be BTTS, no. But also a, a little shout out for the draw and under two and a half goals at a much bigger price. Jake, how do you see this one? Very similar, yeah. Anti-goals in this. Um, like every reason that Mark's laid out, I mean, the fact that both teams are missing key attacking players is reason enough. Uh, but then you factor in the fact uh, that, that both teams have been unbelievable defensively since their respective managers took charge uh, from an XG standpoint. I mean, Sheffield United have conceded just 0.95 expected goals against per game under Heckingbottom Forest at 1.19 um, under Cooper. So both really solid defences. Um, and yeah, just just... Picking up on what what Mark was, was talking about, I just thought it was really interesting looking across the the three divisions in the playoffs, just how fewer goals there are in the championship playoff matches compared to League One, League Two. So the last seven years, so twenty eight ties across, um, well twenty eight ties from each division. Um, the championships average two point one goal per game, which is really low um, compared to League One, which is at two point eight six, and League Two, which is at three point zero seven. So um, I guess it's it's the pressure of and and the you know not wanting to lose uh, such a rich game and rich way up to the Premier League, isn't it? Uh, it is the promised land and everything. Pressure is at its very highest at that at the Championship compared to League One, League Two. But I feel we can take advantage of that and, um, and potentially all the way across the playoffs in the Championship by backing under goals. Um, I don't think either, any of the, the teams in the, in, the top, in the Championship playoffs in particular will um, blow away any of the other teams. I think they'll all be very tight and cagey matches with with no team wanting to give much away. So uh, pleasantly surprised to see under two and, two, uh, and a quarter goals, around 1.75. You might be able to get 1.8 if you get matched um, fairly sharpish on this game. It basically means that if, if there's two or fewer goals, um, we, we get, well, if there's exactly two goals, we get a half win. If there's less than two goals, we get a full win. And the only way the bet loses is if there's three or more goals. And for all the reasons that I've just said and, and everything that Mark said as well, I'm, I'm not expecting this to be very high scoring. Um, two really te- good teams that are very difficult to split. And I don't think either will want to, to go to the second leg with a heavy defeat to overcome. Well, let's go to the other semi-final then, Luton against Huddersfield. Stinch, are you thinking along similar lines that this is going to be fairly low scoring? Yeah, probably. I mean, the market's got under two and a half, uh, one to two, and and all the stats and reasons the guys have said that you expect a, a similar sort of thing. I think Luton have hit a bit of a brick wall though recently. They they've only scored or they've only scored one or one or they've only scored at least one goal in the last six games. So they failed to score at least uh, two or more goals in, over that period. Whereas Huddersfield have done in that. So I feel like maybe Huddersfield are entering this in, with a bit more. Um, momentum than than Luton and there's um and given you know we're expecting it to be uh, very tight very cagey I thought I would maybe um 
lift the mood perhaps and uh, go for a, a chunky price to a uh, goal scorer to cheer on. So I've gone for somebody at 13 to one to score a goal, which I think is uh, yeah very backable. And uh, I think it's something, as I say, that for uh, Friday night, this is set to take place. And I think that's something you can uh, definitely get behind for, for, for a bit of loose change. It's Harry Tofolo who plays for Huddersfield. Before April, he had just one goal in 35 games. So you think, oh my God, why is he, how can he like tipping up a goal scorer with, with that record? But recently he's got five in his last seven and uh, yeah, he's just on absolute fire. And at 13 to one, like, you, you know, you back in that long term you're not you're not going to go wrong um and yeah his goals are all, are all been different types to be honest some of them have been arriving late into the penalty area uh some have been jinking runs uh some have been even strikes from outside the area he's uh he's a left wing back sometimes plays left back as well so obviously he has that um option to to get forward and i think that's what's basically changed recently i think carlos corberan has given him more license to go forward if you look at uh, from January to March, he had just three shots in 14 games. Yet since April, which is kind of coincide with Huddersfield's improved scoring return, he's had eight shots in those seven games. So yeah, I just think he's been given more license to get forward. And I think Corbrand's done an unbelievable job there at Huddersfield and, and deserves a lot of credit. And I think this is you know another small tactical tweak that probably goes under the radar from the kind of the mainstream. Um, He's featured at both wing-back and left-back this season. Corbrand's kind of fluctuated between a, a back four and a back three. Um, but I think if uh, if he lines up as wing-back, then arguably this is, new, this is even better value. But uh, yeah, so I just think, um, I think Huddersfield, I don't think they'll go to Luton with anything to fear, really. And um, yeah, maybe this might be one that kind of go actually does go against the grain and, and does see... Um, Maybe not even like uh, Luton contributing, but Huddersfield. I could. I don't think it's out out of right, out of any possibility that they could go here and, and wrap the tie up. Um, I know that's quite bold to say that, um, and maybe you know the um, jeopardy will, will kick in. But uh, yeah, I don't think you really, really go wrong when you're cheering on a goal scorer, a, a double figure prize that's got five in his last seven. Yeah, playoffs always fun, but even more fun if you can cheer on a potential 13-1 to winner. The Bundesliga season wraps up on Saturday. Uh, Mark, you want to look at a local derby as Eintracht Frankfurt gear up for their clash with Rangers by taking on Mainz in Mainz. Frankfurt won't be interested in this at all, will they? Quite frankly. <laughs> no. Um, to put it mildly, no, they've got bigger fish to fry and I think that's the way in here is... Final weekend of the season, Mainz playing their last home game of the season. Clearly, there's nothing at stake uh, in terms of what's to play for. No one, neither of these two teams are going anywhere fast. So, um, But I always think last home game, the, t- the home team normally does tend to try and put on a, a bit of a decent performance. And, and Mainz have been very good at home this season. Um, you know, I think they've won 10. Uh, where are my numbers? Anyway, they've, they've won 10 times at home. And um, their record, when you exclude the top six, seven wins, three draws and zero defeats, which is very, very strong. Uh, I know they beat Bayern in the last home game, but Bayern were you know, fielded uh, a very strange team and, and clearly weren't interested in that match. But it's a similar case here because, as you say, Europa League final on the agenda for Frankfurt. And I think when they went to Leverkusen in their last away day, it was before the second leg of the Europa League and they... they basically waved the white flag early doors and just accepted a 2-0 defeat, really. And, you know, even if Oliver Glasner does field close to his first 11 here, which I'd be shocked if he does. It'd be um, a riot close... if he does that, I would think. 
that those players would not be flying into challenges. They would not be risking injury. It's a, it's a huge historic occasion for Frankfurt. So it makes complete sense for them to prioritise that. And um, yeah, I've not seen his comments yet from the press conference, but you know, I think we'd all be staggered if he fielded the first choice to 11 in this match. Um, at home, Mainz have scored 31 goals in 16, which averages out at about two per game. They've got the best home defence by some distance. They've only conceded nine goals. They're ranked third in terms of home expected goals process, third for non-penalty XG ratio, third when you look at shots in the box records as well. They've already beaten Leverkusen and Leipzig here as well as Bayern. So they're playing a Frankfurt team, uh, you know, even when they fielded a first choice team, they've only kept five clean sheets across the whole campaign in the Bundesliga and they're not going to be asked about this match at all. So, um, you know, try and find something Mainz based. And I settled on Mainz and over one and a half goals, but it's been... Clipped in from 1.8 to around 1.66 now, which is a bit of a shame. But um, So I'm going to throw a bigger price uh, dart out there, which is Mainz to win to nil. 3.6, uh, I mentioned that home defence. Um, uh, Frankfurt have been nilled in five of the last six away games in the Bundesliga as well. Uh, and as we say, they've got bigger fish to fry than this match. So uh, don't be too surprised if it's a, a team of reserves who are still focused on Wednesday rather than the weekend's match. Yeah, they have thought about redesigning the badge, actually, to say we can't be asked, But I think that's <laughs> met with some resistance from the fans. Uh, elsewhere in the Bundesliga, Stuttgart have to be asked. They have no choice uh, because they've got to win uh, against Köln to have any chance of escaping a relegation playoff. They're probably going to be fine in terms of uh, not going down automatically. But Köln... Even though they've qualified for the Conference League, they want to do a little bit better than that. So, Stinch, this is a really interesting game, actually. Yeah, I mean, Stuttgart are priced over 23 to 20. Would you be back in Stuttgart at close to evens, Kev? No. No, I would not. Uh, against the Köln team that's pretty good. They were poor last week, but I think they buckled under the pressure a little bit last week. But I think they can play with a bit more freedom here. Yeah, I mean, originally Cologne opened up as equal favourites at 13 to 8, but now the Stuttgart have to win factor has kicked in. Um, Kona got out to 19 to 10 now. Uh, and Stuttgart, as I said, they look very, very low at 23 to 20 for a team that's only won six games, six games out of 33, like very similar to kind of um, maybe not the same game, but like Everton played Watford on, on Wednesday night and Everton were odds on away at Watford. And we all know Everton's away record is abysmal. Like it's no surprise really to see that, that, you know, that, that they didn't actually go on and win. You know, not every one of these like short price bets goes on to win. I really do think like uh, punters should um, always kind of ask as many questions as possible rather than just kind of blindly back it because the team needs to win. I think, you, you know, you need to be careful because in every single league, this kind of happens. Um, and yeah, there are a lot of ones that, that get turned over. So yeah, definitely, definitely a word of caution there. Um, as you mentioned, Stuttgart, uh, need to win and hope her to lose at Dortmund to survive. Otherwise, as you say, likely they have to contest that relegation playoff unless Armenia do the kind of impossible and not only beat Leipzig, but overturn an eight-goal swing, which is probably unlikely. But I mean, they barely Stutt scored eight goals. They would <laughs> have a job doing that, I would think. Maybe they could try Ortega up front. He's such a good goalkeeper. Yeah. Maybe they give him a go in the in the false false number nine or something um but yeah Stuttgart only two wins in the last 18 so again I keep coming back you can't surely nobody out there is back in Stuttgart at these odds and Cologne are in great form five wins in eight 
Um, and I still think they've got uh, European aspirations in terms of finishing that top six. There's still, there's still that possibility. Yeah. And you, you'll know better than me, Kev, but Cologne's manager, Baumgart, he doesn't strike me as a coach that's going to go through the motions. He'll, he, if you're he lives on the ev- beach, he'll drown you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you can't get away with it. No chance. He wears his heart on his sleeve, doesn't he? I think it was, was he in um, isolation and he was watching the game from that's home? That's right. And with his enormous dog, yeah, which spent half the game on his shoulders, yes, and and literally terrifying prospects. He was so animated, like you can tell, he just loves, you know, he loves the game, and there's no way he'll allow his team not to be competitive here. Um, and Cologne have only actually lost nine games all season, which is the joint fourth best in the Bundesliga, which I think is really, really good. And against the bottom half, it's just two defeats in seventeen. So yeah, I don't see how anybody could be back back in Stuttgart at this price. So simple one for me: lay Stuttgart around about two point three on the exchange. So essentially, you're getting four to five on on Cologne to avoid defeat. And um, could you use the bet builder? Maybe their stinch double up, maybe a Köln double chance with a couple of goals in the game, something like that as well. Would that be a different angle? Yeah, maybe. Or well, the other one I was looking at actually was um, you could maybe just back Modest to score um, 19 goals this season, which is fantastic because he's rediscovered his form after a, f- yeah. a few. I think mentally, I don't think I don't think his talent was ever in doubt. I think mentally, after what happened in China with him and, and coming back, I think he, you know, he came back with his tail between his legs a little bit and took it took a while. But somebody like Baumgart, perfect coach to get the best out of him, and he scored eleven in his last sixteen as well. So he's ending the season on absolute fire. Um, I'm not sure if there's any prices. Just check in a second, but I would be tempted with anything. Uh, okay, he's eleven to ten, so maybe that's a little bit short. But in the past, I have had success. When when he does score, he goes. Not only does he score, he goes on to score another one. So maybe Modest to score two or more at six to one. Maybe if you want a bit of a juicier price. And if you do want to chuck him in with some kind of bet builder or something like that, worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Ackers and Bet Builders offer is running every day. Bet ten pounds on Ackers or Bet Builders, receive a two pound free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. Now it's time for the world famous podcast treble. A betting feature so revered that it's been revealed during the gripping Wagatha Christie trial that Rebecca Vardy once linked it to a newspaper that Colleen Rooney has tattoos of Mark, Stinch and Jake. Really explosive stuff. For the lawyers, by the way, that definitely did not happen. We do not want Wagatha Christie part two. And I think they've spent enough money on lawyers as it is. Is. How this works is that the three guys come up with a selection each from the weekend's action and our delightful traders wrap them up in a boosted treble for you. I'm going to start with Jake Oscarthorpe. Um, I'll throw in under two and a half. He's never ready. Chef United he always Forest. starts his answer with Erm, <laughs> as if but it's yeah. the biggest surprise in the world that I might go. You to know me. I'm all, I'm never ready. Uh, you always come to me first. This is it. Keep me on my toes. Um, yeah, under two and a half in Blades Forest. Uh, I think all the reasons we've discussed, we were expecting yeah. that to be a very cagey game, uh, tight game, and game a few goals. So I'll start off with that one. Uh, Mark Stinchcombe. I'm going to go for over 2.5 goals in Leeds v Brighton at 4-5. to five. There's been over 2.5 goals in 18 of Leeds' last 22 matches. And I think they're at the stage of the season where they can start to panic. Uh, we will talk a lot more about that panic in Sunday's show as well. And Mark O'Hare. Uh, I'll take it to the continent and put Mainz to win up. Um, I still think they're a reasonable price against a Frankfurt team who we've discovered probably have their eyes elsewhere. 
Yes, in the analytical way that he does, Mark O'Hare describing them as not asked about that game. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of quality content on our website, betting.betfair.com. We'll have several previews of the FA Cup final. We're covering those EFL playoffs as well. We've got La Liga, we've got Serie A, we've got the Bundesliga as well. From Jake, from Stinch, from Mark and from me, it's goodbye for now.